Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And JJ. You know, we're here on the, the, the Ian Freeman incarceration count-up has moved to day 30. Wow. Now, um, it, the possibility exists that Ian could get out as early as uh, day 60, so we could be halfway there. Yeah, well, I, I'm really not counting on any sort of um, leniency from the state. Let's just say that. I, I Other than I, good time. Other than good well, time. Well, that's the good time. Right. The good time would, uh, would, would result in him getting out of 60 days. I'm not counting on that crap either. Um, I mean, I, I look, I expect that it may happen the way that you just said, obviously, and, you know, that's the way that things usually work. But as we found out here in Keene from our activism, the state does what they want. They basically. do what they want. Yep. So they do what they want. So anyway, I'm hoping the best for him. Certainly. JJ, interesting story. Um, the Republican debate was on last night. Okay. And you know how riveting that always is. Right. Yeah. I, I, what time was it? <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it went from like 8 p.m. to 11 or something like that. I don't know exactly. It was on MSNBC. And, you know, MSNBC, really great hosts for the Republicans. They they love them. They, uh, they had a stellar group of, of uh, post-debate folks debating. So you watched this, I take it then? I have. I did watch. Excellent. Uh, I watched it. I, I recorded it so that I could see it. And, you know, Rachel Maddow, gracious as ever, always... <laughs> Always even-handed. Right, right. And um, Al Sharpton, you know. Uh, it's surprising because I, I've always thought Rachel was more of a, a, a very, I guess, liberal type uh, person. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Well, she is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she is. Excellent. We've established that. So they, um, you know, the basically it was, you know, more of the same. I, As far as the big winners and big losers, I think that this incident... An incident occurred on stage during a commercial break between Ron Paul and Rick Perry. Why, yes, that's the only thing I know about this debate. It's really the only thing worth taking away from here, frankly. Um, there's There are pictures floating about the interwebs um, where apparently Rick Perry grabbed Ron Paul's arm and pointed his finger in his face. I would say it's difficult to know the angle and everything, but it looks, if, if you assume the finger is directly in front of his nose, you're talking about it being maybe six inches away. That's awful close. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I... That's I, very rude. I decided I would try this out on somebody, um, somebody bigger than I am, and um, I just, just to see what it was like to, uh, you know, be in this position, um, to see whether this was truly invading space, and I was truly invading his space. <laughs> Did he let you know? Uh, well, yeah, like I got that idea, but I think that he was under of the understanding that we were kind of participating in this for uh, experimental purposes. I, yes, I was. Uh, yeah, he let me know. Um, it's they're not exactly uh, sure what happened, but there were some certainly ex- heated exchanges between Paul and Perry. These are both Texans, sure, and. Perry came out strong in the race. Ron Paul is one of the top tier runners, um, and, and you know at this point in most polls he comes in the the top four. And Perry came out uh, great guns uh, because, well, frankly, nobody wants to vote for Bachman or uh, Romney, so they're like, thank God, yeah, right. there's somebody here we can vote for. And uh, turns out Rick Perry's really got a lot of uh, lot of skeletons in the closet. He used to be an Al Gore campaigner, which is not going to be very good for a Republican nominee. I mean, you just can't, you cannot excite the base. For a guy that campaigned for Al Gore. No, you can't. 
I mean, we're, in fact, that's wasn't that long ago. That's definitely an Achilles heel as far as I'm concerned. There's uh, some quote by him that, uh, you know, I'm going to keep the same principles. I'm just changing the letter behind my name. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's, you know. <laughs> yeah. In, in fact, I've seen a lot of anti-Perry stuff coming out and not just obviously from the Democrats, but also from Republicans and, and various uh, people who call themselves Republicans or rhinos, whatever you want to call them. But uh, the the whole idea of, of Perry being the front runner is is clearly a media phenomenon. Yes. It's clearly a a, a, a well, constructed or, or to some extent it's a name recognition phenomenon because nobody knew anything really about him until he you know came. Well, yeah, I didn't. Why would we know his name? I mean, seriously, what has he done? That's he's the Texas memorable. governor. And <laughs> wait a minute, no, so, no, what has he done? It's memorable. I understand, but uh, basically, if you come from Florida, California, New York, or Texas, and you're the governor, you are uh, the front runner as far as folks are concerned, because uh-huh. you're a large state governor. That's one of the things that Romney has. I mean, take a look at John Huntsman, used to be uh, governor of Utah. Take a look at uh, George, uh, excuse me, um, Gary Johnson, governor of New Mexico. Gary Johnson, highly qualified for the office, highly qualified for the Republican nomination. Can't get can't no, get press at all. He's not. You know why? Because he's not a team player, Paul. Uh, I almost called you, Paul. <laughs> he's not a team player, Mark. You so know what? I, this this incident between Perry and Paul is just really something. Uh, let me read here from um, IB Times. During the September 7 Republican debate, Ron Paul clashed with fellow Texas Rick Perry, uh, Texan Rick Perry, once again. This time things got physical. See, I take, hold on. I take issue with that first statement. That Ron Paul clashed. Yeah. Now, anybody who's seen Ron Paul speaking, he might have some ideas that, that are profound and that are difficult for you to think about, but he doesn't clash. Right. He's not that kind it's, of gentleman. It's the term that they—this is how they like to—, to, to Right, to sensationalize this, it. Yeah, sensationalize the, the, the political debate. Perry and Paul were placed next to each other at the center of the Republican debate. During a commercial break, uh, Perry walked up to Paul's podium, physically grabbed Paul's wrist, and pointed at Paul's face with his other hand. See the photo below. And it, in fact, shows a photo of just that. Right. Before the physical exchange, the war of words between Perry and Paul was perhaps even more heated. When Paul was asked if he supports getting rid of the minimum wage, the doctor briefly answered the question, he supports getting rid of it, and then launched into an attack against Perry. Perry criticized the governor of Massachusetts, Mitt Romney, for Romney care, but wrote a uh, really fancy letter supporting Hillary care, Paul, Paul said. So Paul, uh, you know, was dishing it out, the, the things, uh, sure. you know, stating the obvious stuff. In response, Perry said he didn't know um, it was going to be the monstru- monstrosity that became came to be known as Hillary Care. Speaking of letters, I was more interested in the one that you wrote to Ronald Reagan saying, I'm going to quit the party because of the things that you believe in, Perry said to Paul. In response to that, Paul said that he was one of the few congressmen to support Reagan in, in 1976. However, in the 80s, Reagan deviated from his ideas and... Spent too much money, said Paul. Later in the debate, Paul asked, uh, was asked about uh, a letter his campaign wrote that accused Perry of at least five sins against conservatism. Paul zeroed in on the accusation that Perry tried to forcibly vaccinate 12-year-old girls against HPV by executive order. Perry, in his defense, said that there was an opt-out in the order. Rick Santorum, the form, former U.S. senator from Pennsylvania, also president of the debate, then countered that the order should have been opt-in instead of opt-out. So, I mean, this does go to show that that Republicans really don't like this whole vaccination-forced thing. And um, I, you know, I, I, I certainly don't like it. Well, either. I don't like anything forced, I mean, let alone vaccinations. Yep. But at the same time... Um, Sort of last during the 2007 campaign, a lot of uh, individuals had the idea that that Ron Paul should be more on the offensive in the debates. And uh, after you know watching his early debate, you know with Giuliani and how he came back 
uh, when Giuliani attacked him. That was definitely one of the Now, the finest. attack was uh, verbal at that point. I mean, nobody, right. nobody had grabbed Ron Paul up to this point. Right, right. And, and so now we're, we're seeing this new sort of phase of, the, you know, the Ron Paul, Ron Paul 2.0, basically, for presidential yep. in, in modern times. And, and he's coming out swinging and definitely, uh, I think, setting a tone for winning, as far as I, I can I, see. I, you know, I like the Ron Paul, uh, Ron Paul in this campaign much more than I like Ron Paul in 2008. It seems like Ron Paul's campaign is better than it was in 2008, too. This is really early to, to decide that. And I don't know early. the inner workings of, of the campaign. Um, you know, I mean, I, I certainly had my disputes with the way the 2008 ru- campaign was run. I felt they did too much radio, not enough television. But um, you know that, that, that these are these are important things to know because uh, radio gets um, name recognition, but television uh, breeds uh, uh, br- television breeds uh, people's uh, sort of um, <sighs> their their it's comfort the image. level. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah, I know what you're saying. It's it's people definitely get comfortable seeing this person amongst others, and they look um, you know reputable. They have respectable sort of image about them, and uh, the words that they say don't necessarily carry much weight. And that's that's kind of where I think the disconnect is between the real, um, you know, quote unquote, American voter and some idiot pulling a lever <laughs> is is when you take a take a moment, and you listen to what they're actually saying. Sure. Anybody can look good in a suit coat and tie and have a bunch of bodyguards around them and look all important. But not everybody can say something that is profound and Subs- important of substance. Yes, yes, this is. And Ron Paul can do that real quick. Uh, Rick Perry spokesman uh, stated today that the two contenders were having a cordial conversation about border security, of all things, which is pretty ironic, considering that uh, Perry aggressively invaded Ron Paul's personal space. While Ron Paul diplomatically downplayed the incident, saying he did not even remember the exchange. Free Talk Live. Are you a cigarette smoker? I was too for many years. You know that crap's going to kill you, right? There's a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com. A pack a day smoker will save $120 a month and it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth. No smell. No secondhand smoke. You could use it just about anywhere. Free shipping on orders over $60 and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Call 855 to get vapor or go to Vaporsmiths.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live with Mark. And JJ. Live, seven nights a week here on Free Talk Live, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. If you uh, want to catch up on old shows, we've got archives for you completely free at archives.freetalklive.com going back until 2006. The first seven days are right there on the front page. And other than that, you go to archives.freetalklive.com. Get all those shows that you'd like for free. As far as I know, the only commercial radio program that gives away its archives for free. If you know of another, love to hear about it, but I think that uh, we're the only one. The Ruger Gunsight Scout Rifle is an affordable, versatile, and reliable rifle. It'll deliver 10 rounds of 308 Winchester performance in a variety of situations. It's compact, lightweight, and accommodates a host of optics. It's a serious rifle for those serious about rifles. The perfect do-it-all bolt-action rifle where a rugged, reliable Ruger meets the practical tactical. The Ruger Gunsight Scout Rifle, the one rifle you have to have if you can have only one. You can see it at Ruger.com. Get it at your local gun dealer. Let's go directly to the calls. Got uh, Sophia in the UK. Sophia? 
Now you. What's happening? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, last week I phoned in about this gypsy site uh, in Essex, in in the southeast of England, um, which is actually owned by gypsies, um, but only half the homes built on it have government permission, mm-hmm. and they were facing eviction. This was the Dale Farm. Well, yep. Well, uh, Basildon Council, who are responsible for the eviction, have said the evictions will start a week on Monday. Hmm. Now, wasn't the, um, didn't the EU get involved in this in some way? The UN did. The UN did. Yes, uh, they said the eviction should go ahead, but they're going to do it anyway. No, yeah. they said they said either, um, they can go ahead. He said, right? The, no, U- the UN said it, the UN said it shouldn't go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> various various people. There was a Jewish rabbi who uh, I think he was a bit being a bit over the top. He equated this to. Um, uh, Jews being evicted from their homes under, under the Third Reich. Well, yeah, I can see where he's going with that, but um, I think that's a well, little too emotive. Well, gypsies were too. I mean, weren't gypsies yeah, rounded yeah. up just the same as Jews? Well, not as yeah, many. Yeah, right, yeah, well, there's, there, there isn't as many gypsies. Quanti- quantity is an issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the word gypsies who died in the Holocaust, that, 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 that shouldn't be forgotten. Um, but, um, I mean, I, I, I'm furious about this because I, I just feel that it's breaking the most holiest of holy, but that, um, you know, a, a, a person's property is their own. Now, I did have, I did get into a discussion with someone about this the other day, and their natural response um, is that, oh, these gypsies are squatting, because that's often the case that yeah. gypsies sort of move on to land and, and they, they squat. No, um, those who don't own the land are, are, are welcome to stay there. The, the owner, uh, you know, the owner has, the owner of the land ha- isn't the one who's complaining. It is the people who li- neighbor right. his land who are complaining. Nosy neighbor, right? Right. And so many times, um, this is th- this happens to everybody in in some situation, great or small, is that you know the the neighbors feel that they own your property in some way, shape, or form. You know, I have to drive by that thing every day. And, and, you know, the way it looks bothers me or whatever. Right. You know, I don't like the color of their mailbox. Exactly. I mean, where does it all end is really what uh, if, if, if the neighbors can complain about things going on in your property. And I understand when you're talking about loud noises or, um, you know, things like that. But, you know, when... <laughs> Well, well, I think what you're you're delineating between is, is pollution that spreads from one property to another and yeah. simply... Something that they don't like on your property that doesn't it doesn't affect them. It's not going to mean you know the noise isn't going to carry over if it's a if it's a mailbox they don't like that's sure. painted wrong or there's the color of your house. They don't throw away their garbage. They attract rats. Right. I mean, even here in Keene, there's that uh, there's been issues about painting your house a certain color and, and whatnot. So yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't 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 there a restaurant which which painted it was a restaurant. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Painted its walls yellow. Yeah, exactly. People, I think, I think. I mean, one of the neighbours, this guy called Len Gidley, I think his name is. I mean, he said that his his property is being devalued because of this this gypsy site. Well, the gypsy site was there, but before he 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 bought the property. Oh, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And more have moved in, and I, you know, I this. This point is kind of it, it speaks to people to some extent because there's no doubt that a trashy property next to your property um, has some effect on your uh, on your property value. But property value is kind of ethereal, and I have heard somebody say in real life that they felt that a black man walking down their street devalued their property. So yeah, exactly. This, uh, yeah, 
people people can people can say all sorts uh, about what's devaluing what they reckon is devaluing their property. They can't actually prove it. Right, right. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. And maybe a, maybe a gypsy would pay more for your property because it's right next door to a gypsy property. I mean, you don't, you don't know. Well, I think if exactly. if if, 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 if the property if the gypsy property was there already. And then they move. If someone goes in and buys a property, like they, they, the next mover comes in and says, "Oh, there's a gypsy property here, and there's a bunch of people." Well, if I look ahead to how things are going to be in ten years, maybe when I want to sell it, or twenty years, and they don't factor that in, then they're just an idiot, and you can't, um, you can't repair idiocy. I'm sorry. But one, one final point I'd like to make is that this is woken me up to the fact that there's, there's no rule of law because supermarkets and other large corporations bully and bribe local councils to build on greenbelt land and this is the whole this is what's what, what, the whole what, what people are saying is the issue with this 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 site that they built built on greenbelt land when they shouldn't have but as i've said supermarket chains you know they do bribe all the time. And bully councils to build stores on greenbelt land yeah. and yet people are complaining about a bunch of you know a small bunch of gypsies building homes and it, it's kind of like sorry don't you see the hypocrisy here yeah, uh, absolutely. When it comes down to it, there's um, you know the money talks and the and the, and everybody else is just you know they have to get whatever they get out of the situation. Well, why not? What is all the outrage for like the bankers that are are uh, fraudulently repossessing homes or fraudulently kicking people out and foreclosing? You know why why are there why is there such an outcry over the gypsies being there and not those people who are clearly perpetrating so many wrongs on so many fronts. Right. I don't know if that's going the, on in Great Britain, but uh, here in the United States, there's a lot of problems with the way that mortgages are being and, and foreclosures are being enacted because there's a lot of bad mortgages where they're sort of fraudulently written. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to ask you, I mean, do you have gypsies in the United States? Certainly. Well, I, I guess, and, I mean, and, and there are, it's, the term means a couple of different things. Uh, there are people that, uh, these ethnic, this ethnic group called Romani, um, I think is what the, the term is. And, um, yeah. you know, the, a lot of times they'll be involved in things like palm reading and stuff like that. And frankly, they don't move around that much. And there's certainly, um, there's a culture of retirees that move around in motorhomes and that kind of thing around the United States. So I, I, wouldn't they be gypsies too? Yeah. I think we have, as you said, Mark, two, uh, various, degrees of what you would call a gypsy we have there are a lot of transient people who basically move from one area to another and engage in whatever sort of agorist business they have to to make money and make ends meet but then they're off to the next area and there's as you said retirees there's people who vacation who just travel the united states so i I mean it depends on how you find define gypsy if you want to go by that ethnic group then yes i'm sure there's some of those uh of that ethnicity here Uh is there much prejudice against them? Because here it seems to be the last, the, the last, the last acceptable form of racism is against gypsies. I'd say that uh, you know, against the ethnic group, the Romani, I'd say that there is an, a, a level of uh, racism, and people expect them to rip them off. Um, so yes, I would say that that's the case. Um, sure. Cheers. Free talk live eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Will uh, gypsies rip you off? This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Lil Drums. Every bit as fun as a full-size Nestle drumstick cone and definitely cuter. Visit us at drumstick.com. Vacations are all about family time, but you don't have to leave home to have fun. Take one weekend a month and devote it to family activities. Pull out the board games and puzzles, serve up some treats, or have a picnic. Even without leaving home, you'll feel like you've really had some time away. 
For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash your family today. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Call in, talk about whatever you'd like. Free Talk Live is an interactive radio program. And we have an interactive website, freetalklive.com, where you can post stories and blog posts, pictures, whatever it is. I should say link. I think you could link to them. I think that's probably a better term. And uh, people can vote up your entries, vote them down. You can do the same with other folks. And uh, it all works real well. Go check out freetalklive.com. Are you a cigarette smoker? I was, too, for many years. And, you know, they're probably not the best things for your lungs. There's a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier, in fact. Vaporsmiths.com, a pack-a-day smoker, will save about $120 a month. And it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth, no more smell, no more secondhand smoke. You can use it just about anywhere. Free shipping on orders over 60 bucks, and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. So... You buy 40 cartomizers, you get a free starter kit, you get free shipping as long as you use coupon code FTL. Just call 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. 855-2-GET-VAPOR, Vaporsmiths.com. JJ, you yes. know this, uh, this, this story with Ron Paul and Rick Perry just keeps on sticking with me here. It, and I- yeah, well, there's, there's a lot to be said about this sort of situation. I mean, in, this, in the debate, you're expecting that the individuals involved are, you know, they're cordial they they have a way of speaking and a mannerism that that shows how they would conduct themselves if they were the head of state. Now I don't actually believe any of that. I mean I believe it's just a dog and pony show. And then there is Ron Paul. So, but but to some extent, uh, what you would see here between Perry and Paul, you know, do you really want Perry to be the guy negotiating with Pakistan when he goes over and he grabs the the uh, Pakistani? PM by right. the hand. This and- is such an ill-advised thing. I mean, you know, this was this was so threatening. Ron Paul's bodyguard steps up, prepared to put the Texas governor on his butt. That's right. Um, this, I mean, you know, this this guy is on the stage at the Reagan uh, National Library in front of probably a thousand very interested Republicans. Yeah. And he decides to go and grab uh, one of the presidential candidates. Right. I mean, this is weird behavior. That's that's certainly not something most people teach their children. In fact, I think most people teach their children that you don't go around touching people unless it's acceptable in some format or well, some social circuit. You don't just go up and grab someone and point a finger in their face and expect right. to have a It'd good conversation. Thing, you know, I think it's one thing to touch a man on his shoulder, to grab a hand, you know, do those things. Politicians do that stuff all the time but this looked threatening as it could be i think ron paul you know i Maybe I'm wrong here. Ron Paul says he doesn't even remember the incident, but it could be he well, was I just think, speaking humbly. Yeah, I know. I think he, he def- that's definitely the, what he wants to say. When a bully comes up to you and, and uh, pushes you on, the last thing you want to do is let that bully know he had some influence over you or some some effect. Yeah. And I think, on, you know, honestly, Ron Paul it wasn't, uh, you know, scared. His bodyguard was standing right there in he the picture. He probably didn't have a chance to even get scared, frankly. Right, right. And then so... I think this is definitely something worth uh, noting in, in just future. Is this the first debate that Perry's been in? I think this was his first debate. And I, I really, he was so weird in this yes. that I think that his star is on its way down. I think he's got his, uh, you know, his initial bump for getting in the campaign. And, and you'll often find that, that a, a candidate gets in um, the campaign and, and then 
you know, the kind of the, you know, they get to a peak and then they kind of drop down. I, he was weird looking in the whole yeah. thing. Like he was smiling way too much in kind of well, a very fake fashion. I, and then he goes and, and, you know, practically gets into a bar fight on the stage. I, I think I, he's the media darling, though. I think for some reason, uh, maybe Fox News or, or some other, you know, conglomerate news factory basically uh, picked this guy out of a hat. Or Well, you said he's a Texas governor, which does yep. carry a lot of weight as far as the whole uh, shenanigans of elections go. So, um, I think uh, this is definitely a media-generated image that uh, they're not going to let fade away anytime soon. Yeah, and uh, the Paul campaign came out with, or I should say the Campaign for Liberty, uh, came out with, maybe it was the Paul campaign. Yeah, the Paul campaign came out with a you know, statement of, about you know, Rick Perry and his uh, policies, and they've got a really great ad. Look, I do ads for a living. It's a really great ad. Okay. Um, that you know that basically puts a pops a. a is whole, it a picture or is it a no? This video? is a, this is a TV, television ad. Okay. And I you know I I don't know where it's playing precisely. I don't watch that much television. Right. <laughs> New Hampshire television to really be able to see this stuff. But you know it outlines a lot of the things that they feel that Rick Perry was um, you know not so great great on, and I. I'd say that Perry's probably not going to be the front runner um, much after this. There's certainly going to be supporters of him, and well, all that okay, kind of then thing, who but... is other than Ron Paul? Let's let's take Ron Paul out because let's let's pretend we're the media for a second. Okay, we're we're mainstream well, I guess we're media. On the media. Well, we're we're the mainstream media, and we're we're being paid money to maintain the status quo. So we want we want a front runner. Yes, we can't have Ron Paul. Okay, we can't have Gary Johnson. Um, but Gary Johnson is, you know, sadly hasn't uh, shown up more than two percent on an, on any poll. Okay. I think that you know, so. Who's would, who's the next favorite. media idol that they're going to put out there to be elected? They're still uh, flirting with the idea of getting Sarah Palin in, but the day is getting late. Uh, I believe that the um, I believe that the the primary is in February, so, which means that you know the. Uh, the campaigning for the primary, the uh, the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary, that's going to start. I mean, it start in earnest right about now. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many months do you think of campaigning? Um, you know, really matter because the campaign just keeps on pushing out, pushing out. I feel like if you're not in it at this point, you're not gonna get in it. Right. I mean, maybe Sarah Palin will try to get in it, but really, what is she gonna do except split the vote between? Uh, you know, I mean, she's gonna take some of Bachman's votes, take some of Romney's votes, take some of uh, Perry's votes. I, at this point, really, I, it's, the, 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 the top tier is, as it's been stated, Perry, Bachman, uh, Romney, and, and Paul. Possibly Palin could get in. People keep on talking about Christie, but he's made it pretty clear he's not getting in. Um, it just smacks, Limbaugh wants, it, it uh, smacks of desperation. In. This, this group of, of basically, quote-unquote, frontrunners just smacks of a desperate attempt by the media to create the next winner, create the next uh, candidate, the next president. And they're failing miserably because maybe these, uh, for whatever reason, these candidates la- lack that sort of connection or luster or or whatever it is that, that they need to get that win. I don't see it happening. Well, somebody's going to get the win. This this is the really unfortunate part about uh, campaigns is that one of these colostomy bags will win the election. Sure. The, uh, the, the Republican, I should say, the Republican nomination. And it seems to me if if they you know the one that they they pick is likely to have a very good chance of beating Barack Obama. I mean this is about the weakest I've seen a, a president in in their uh, tenure. Anything can happen in a year's time. There's no right. doubt about it. Certainly. But um I mean you know some but uh, but catching Osama bin Laden wasn't it. 
Right. He's got to turn this economy around, and he hasn't shown any ability to do that. He's no. got to turn this economy it, around inside of a year, and he can't do it. Yeah, in fact, I, I just, as I was doing laundry today, I overheard a news report in the laundromat talking about Fairpoint in the area, laying off jobs, and, and then it just went down this list of all these places where jobs are going to be you know lost due to cutbacks and various... Uh, various employers so it's yep. it's like the job market is is definitely not going to go up it's not going to there's nothing that that obama can do there's literally well, nothing there is stuff he can do but um i i don't like, know if like a, I don't, a year is enough time to get it done four would have been it he could have absolutely done something in four years they've already dumped money into public works projects they've already dumped right. money into did the wrong businesses thing, that were failing say, no i agree with you i agree with you but i'm what, what i'm looking at is you take the trend he's on the yep. trend of what he's been right. doing and what he has, to, uh, what he's said he's going to do. He'd have to cease to be the guy that he exactly. is and do something entirely different. But I don't even know if Ron Paul could turn this around in one. Um, if if he had, could, if he was God of, uh, of of the United States instead of president, <laughs> I don't know if he could turn this around in one year. Um, I mean, that's. That's it would be very, very difficult. Somebody, you know, I mean, even Ron Paul, who's what uh, investments are up 900 percent in the last decade or something, yeah. some incredible number. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was, this guy understands the economy yes. and, and uh, you know, makes it work for him. But I, you know, to me, I guess the, the front runners are probably the, the five that I mentioned, uh, yeah. Palin, Paul, Bachman, Perry and Romney. And wow. those, uh, you know, the other four take votes from each other. I mean, other and than I think that Paul. Uh, I mean, other than Paul, the rest of them, as far as I'm concerned, couldn't win against Obama. I, their numbers t- tend to be pretty similar. From, I mean, imagine Bachman against Obama. That'd be hilarious. Well, you know, I, I think that all the candidates have certain weaknesses. Yeah. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, SACL toll-free call-in line. How can Ron Paul get the Republican nomination? What would it take? Liberty Maniacs is the largest online Liberty brand, featured the most comprehensive selection of original posters, stickers, apparel, embroidered hats, and over 100 different products from around the world. From hilarious satire to hard-hitting artistic commentary, Liberty Maniacs is devoted to outfitting the Liberty movement with intelligent, eye-catching, and fashionable gear that expresses your personal dedication to Liberty. Best of all, Liberty Maniacs offers a no-hassle, money-back guarantee on all products. LibertyManiacs.com. Wear something worth saying. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, SACL toll-free call-in line. Here on Free Talk Live, the live Thursday night edition. It's Mark with you. And JJ. You can give us a call, talk about what you'd like to talk about. We're kind of talking about the Republican presidential debate, uh, presidential nominee Intimidation. Debate. Yeah. And, and Rick Perry getting in Ron Paul's face. Not exactly sure what happened. Um, you know, neither one of them is, uh, is making it really clear, but... There's a really damning picture out there of oh, Rick Perry sticking his finger right in Ron Paul's face while he has a, a hold of his arm. It's not – it doesn't look good. No. Frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Are you tired of a, the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? If you knew that thousands of liberty-loving individuals were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? You can. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. The Free State Project is a movement to get 20,000 liberty-loving individuals to one state. That state is New Hampshire. And New Hampshire happens to have one of the uh, first – it is the first primary, one of the first elections um, in the uh, 
the the primary season. So I just I just want to say this for all the listeners out there that just woke up and just heard the idea of Ron Paul, and, and now you're tuning in, you're listening to this show and other shows because you know this show has coverage of Ron Paul that you won't find in other places for for some respects. And you're listening to this, and you just heard about freestateproject.org. You see, that was me in 2007. Yeah. That was me. I was running the Greater Milwaukee Meetup for Ron Paul, and uh, I had about 150 people that signed up in this meetup to go out and hold signs and, and basically put the word of Ron Paul out there and, and just get the message out. But we only had about between two and six people show up for each event, and that was extremely fr- frustrating for me. Mm. So I came to New Hampshire. So this is in Milwaukee. Yes, this is in Milwaukee with 1.5 million people in the general area in this meetup uh, group. You'd think it'd be a, a pretty big turnout yeah. in a city like that. Now, I, I'm saying it's it's probably greater now, but but my point is I came to New Hampshire because the activists who are doing things, the activists who are actually going out day by day and trying to change the world around them, are here in New Hampshire. And that's why I moved here. I'd say that that's true. The, the activists, uh, they've been very successful since they've uh, moved here. Most of the people that are willing to pick up and move are very dedicated. Dedicated people get things done. You put a lot of dedicated people in one state, you're going to see things happen. And that's what we've seen here in New Hampshire. We've seen a great deal of, of uh, things happen. Certainly there's a little bump with the Tea Party movement. As, uh, there was a, it was really a, a Republican year last year in uh, 2010 as far as elections go. But there are are more than 125 New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, which is basically a uh, basically a, a, an organization that was started about the time that New Hampshire was uh, picked as the Free State Project. But I think it was started by both Free Staters and um, uh, folks that are natives, uh, right. Liberty lovers. And that that organization has 125 uh, people in the New Hampshire House that it endorses. That's an amazing amount. Yes, that's a you know the, it's it's an amazing amount. And there's a, you know as a result, you're seeing more liberty oriented legislation going through. The ability to defend yourself on your property and uh, if your life is threatened, um, you know the there was a a, a bill that got uh, you know certain knives that were illegal made legal. You know, these are small steps, but let's not forget the most important aspect of this is that there is now a libertarian veto over the, uh, you know, the other laws. This is frankly all I was ever hoping for. If you can get a solid 30 or 40 people in the New Hampshire House, and I think we've got that, that are quite libertarian, then they can't slide through the egregious bills for either the republicans or the democrats right. and so if we can maintain that move right. it forward you're going to see that new hampshire become progressively right. more free as time and, and you know especially obviously my viewpoint's more of a voluntarist more of an anarchist i don't believe using the system will grant us exactly what we're looking for as far as liberty in our lifetime blah 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 but i do see uh, as Mark puts it, he, he has a good argument for the whole defending yourself from the state. And, and there are certain individuals in the state house who are, you know, vetoing or, or at least trying to minimize the damage that the state can do. And at the same time, you have other fronts of activism going on. You have people that are going into the courts and making sure that we can record what's going on and that, that are always recording the police to make sure that the police are accustomed to having cameras thrown in their face and they're not going to arrest people for stupid things like uh, recording them. So there is a lot of uh, street action going on that uh, covers 
you know, various areas of New Hampshire. There, there's a lot of fronts for whatever your your ideas are. The more things that, uh, the more people that move, the more things that happen, and exactly. uh, the closer we're going to get. It doesn't matter to me whether, uh, you know, w- what kind of activism folks d- do, as long as it's effective. Sure. If I think it's ineffective, I'm certainly going to uh, spread the word. It's not like there's not going to be mistakes here. But frankly, how many mistakes for liberty are being made in your state? Exactly. That's a great. If you live, in one, great... those, if you live <laughs> in one of those uh, other 49 states, you know what kind of mistakes yeah. are being made for liberty? Right. And the answer is not very darn many no um so i mean you know obviously mistakes if if, if anyone's ever seen a child uh grow there are mistakes made as uh, time goes by this is not a project to have liberty in the next five years it's a project to have liberty in your lifetime right they it took a long time to grow the state to the size that it is and it's going to take a long time to ungrow it um you know to to to, to cut the heads off uh, of the hydra um and you know new hampshire is the best place to start being the freest of the states, according to the Mercatus Center study, uh, two of them actually. That's uh, number one in both cases. So, come join us at the, the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. JJ, yes. the drug war seems like there's some interesting uh, news on that front. Indeed, uh, this story comes out of uh, rawstory.com. As cartels rapidly expand in U.S. cities, authorities confront futility of drug arrests. America's war on drugs is virtually lost on all fronts. Of course, we've been confronting the futility of the drug war for decades. Yes. But uh, go ahead. Sorry, it goes on. Illicit drug use is increasing. Drug cartels are growing stronger and enforcement is becoming less effective. And the government is well aware of all this, according to documents released this week. In three separate releases this week, a drug threat assessment by the Department of Justice, a national survey of drug use patterns, and a leaked U.S. Customs memo, a bleak picture is painted on the nation's longest war. The DOJ assessment is perhaps the most striking. It claims that brutally violent Mexican drug cartels have now set up shop in over 1,000 U.S. cities. 1,000 U.S. 1, cities? 1,000. <laughs> That's right. Up from just 230 cities mentioned in a 2009 DOJ assessment. JJ, hold on just one second. I want to go to these call, this call here. Eddie in Washington, D.C. Eddie? Hey, guys. How are y'all tonight? All's doing all right. Is this Eddie Free? It is. Awesome. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll, see you, uh, I'll see you guys Monday, in fact, so <laughs> after uh, the uh, Liberty Fest in uh, New York City uh, Saturday. Ed, looking forward to it. What did you want to talk about, Eddie? Uh, well, you know, y'all mentioned uh, Rick Perry. You know, I'm, I'm from Texas, and, uh, and I'm really, really familiar with Rick Perry. Uh, I just want to, you know, and I'm sure you guys know about, you know, his past with uh, with the Trans-Texas Cool Girl. I'm not sure if some of the listeners do, um, but, uh, you know, several years ago, he uh, he had tried to, you know, pass using eminent domain uh, to, to pass legislation, or it was talking about legislation, he tried to force a four-mile-wide superhighway. How wide? Texas. How how wide? A quarter okay. mile wide. Okay, quarter mile wide. All right. I wondered how long the super because the super corridor was supposed to be like uh, planes, trains, automobiles. I mean everything, uh, uh, pipelines, the whole deal through, right. through the center of the country. I've been told about. And frankly, it seems like a good idea if you're if you're playing like uh, Sims or uh, Civilization <laughs> or something like that to put this kind of infrastructure in. But what you forget is this is people's property that you're taking from them, and they may or may not want to give it up. Right. It's 
businesses, it's ran, it was it's ranches, it's farmers, it's family plots, family graveyards, and 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 that's and I, I when this was going on, I was so outraged by it. Uh, we actually forced them into having to to do a, an environmental impact study. Uh, it was it was a 1970s uh, law, and we forced them to have to listen to all all of the residents of the town cities that uh, that they were basically going to pave over, and we effectively stopped them. And, Great. you know, this is you know, Rick Perry really is just a big government guy um, all along, but somehow or another has managed to, you know, change his rhetoric for the election into got to get rid of the Federal Reserve and, you know, Social Security and all that stuff. He's trying to hit on touchstones for uh, Republicans. But I just don't think once they start finding out about the kind of stuff he does as governor that they're going to be able to go for it. You know, the executions, which uh, they uh, they applauded a hundred. I, I don't know. hundred and ten was yeah, it? Some some ridiculous number that uh, that Texas has had can only go so far. Well, that's right. But, you know, I, I guess. I mean, but, you know, there was still, I mean, he, he won the governorship again, even after what he passed, or even after he tried to, uh, you know, run the Trans-Texas Corridor through. You know, it just only took a couple of years later, and he was still elected back into office. But he's not a—he's not an incumbent now, and this is one of the um, one of the issues is is that a lot of people will vote Republican because they don't feel like they can vote the Democrat. But at this point, you know, they, they've got to make a decision which Republican they want in the primary. So it's a different story. Eddie, did you have anything else? No, that's Thank you. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com lc9. Talk Live, 855-450 free. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the Live Thursday edition with Mark and JJ. You can go check out freetalklive.com. We've got a great website there for you where you can get interactive. You can post stories, blog posts, pictures, anything you'd like, a link to them. Other people will vote up your submissions. You can vote up other people's. It's uh, one big happy voting family there at freetalklive.com. We were... Uh, Talking about, well, um, the shoot, I forgot what the I, drug war failure. That's right. Uh, that, that that was the issue we were talking about. But um, Steve from Seattle has come in here, and I uh, it was looking at my notes, and that's what made me lose my train of lo- train of thought. Steve, hello, Mark. How are you there? Uh, all's doing well. What would you like to talk about? Okay. Yeah, great. Um, you were talking about the um, the death penalty thing in Texas when those. Uh, all those people cheered when Rick Perry, when uh, Brian Williams announced that in Rick Perry's state he had presented over the execution of 234 
people wow. who were uh, on death row. That could, couldn't be that number. In that amount of time, I suppose it's possible in that amount of time, but it could have been 200. Just killing folk it, left it, and right. He said, interestingly, he said that um, the, the question wasn't, is it okay to kill people that have killed people? Um, the question was, how do you sleep at night knowing that you could have executed somebody who was um, not guilty or something to that effect? And he's like, right. I don't have any trouble sleeping. We have a great yeah, system that works. And if people right. have to die whenever mistake, you know, I don't know what he, you know, what, I, I can't remember beyond that because he didn't really answer the question. Politicians don't do that. Um, so, you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, what's it take in order to be the guy who signs the death order of somebody um, not knowing? You really don't know whether no. these people are guilty. 200 really... people? You're telling me you think that 200 plus people and there hasn't been a mistake made? No. Well, that, it takes sort of a callous, heartless person and to just have no remorse over a that. Sociopath. Yeah, exactly. And people have said all along that that's what uh, politicians are. And, and I frankly, I can't find too many <laughs> cases where that's not true. Right, exactly. Well, I just wanted to throw this out there. My my grandmother's grandfather, which I guess that's my great great grandfather. I'm not sure. I'll give it to you. He was a he was a judge in um, in Georgia back in the 1800s, and the family legend. Uh, and you know how those go. It's probably true. It might not be, but uh, whatever it is, <laughs> some, something happened. The family legend says that when he was dying on his deathbed, he started crying. And somebody asked him why he was crying, and he said, because I know that at some point I certainly must have sentenced an innocent man to hang. Well, and so, how could you not? Yeah. I mean, because he had been a judge for all those years. He'd sentenced many men to hang, and he thinks that certainly one of them must surely have been innocent. Was that a duck? <laughs> yeah. So, and then I also had a... Uh, I uh, just wanted to throw that out there, and I also wanted to say this. I had a small, I don't know if you call it a victory or what it was, but uh, I, I wanted to go someplace today, and I couldn't go there because there was a grand opening of some government office. So all these politicians were there. They had a big ribbon-cutting ceremony mm-hmm. with the media. And I called my wife, and she go, I said, well, I can't, I can't go. I can't do this thing today. Uh, I said, there's all these, they're having a big ribbon-cutting ceremony for the opening of the, some government building. And there's all these greasy politicians running around here. And when I said that, I said it quite loudly on purpose, and I was within earshot of about five of them. <laughs> and so that was kind of fun. Just. <laughs> That's your jab, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well... So anyway, that, that, that's that. I just wanted to throw those two things out there. I, I appreciate the call, Steve. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yep. So the... You know, when when thinking about the death penalty, it, th- this is why I switched from being a, per- a proponent of the death penalty to, uh, you know, not being one. And it's because not that I feel bad for guys that killed people, you know, being executed and um, all that stuff. I don't feel bad. Now, take into consideration I spent nine years in prison right. for murder. Okay, right. <laughs> and it's interesting. There's a co- there's a video that a couple of college girls put together of me in in my inmate uniform, them talking to me about the death penalty and me supporting it. Wow! Because I I just believe in what's right. Frankly, I never killed anybody. I didn't. You know, I you know I, that, that it wouldn't apply to you it, because it, you didn't kill anyone. Certainly, they could have. Uh, you know, the the system is all messed up. You would hope that they don't execute people that don't kill people, but you know that does well, happen. I, and th- this is. This is the reason that I switched over is because I know the judicial system is not flawless. 
So therefore, how many people am I willing to see, how many innocent people am I willing to see executed in order to keep going the death penalty? And that's what every person who believes in the death penalty has to ask themselves. How many innocent people are you willing to kill in order to keep this whole death penalty thing going? I know you like it. I got you that you like it. I think that you think that it is a deterrent. You think that it's valuable. You think that whatever you think about the death penalty, you think Jesus wants these people to die. Whatever it is that your expectation is about the death penalty, fabulous. But you won't sit there and tell yourself or tell me or tell your friends, tell your, your children that you believe that humans um, that the judicial system is flawless, you would be a fool if you did. Right. No one's going to sit there and say that to themselves. So therefore, you are under the impression that since Rick Perry has killed, and I, I don't know what the number is, I have no idea, I'm just you know going from what these guys say, 200 and something people, you know that there are innocent people that were executed, probably men. I don't think that there were any women executed in Texas in that time frame. We probably, I probably would re- recognize that. There haven't been too many women executed um, in the last few decades anyway. But you know that some of those men are innocent. Certainly. And you support the death penalty. What does that make you? Right. Well, the idea that anything man is 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 flawed. So anything man creates is also flawed. There's you cannot say that anything man creates is perfect. It's it's impossible for man to create anything perfect because he is he himself is not perfect. Right. Now somebody else could say, well then we shouldn't have a prison system because people would be losing their time that they couldn't get back. And I've heard this argument and I think it's the most specious and base argument I've ever heard. Well, duh. All I'm proposing is not to do something you can't undo. At right. the very least, when you uh, when you incarcerate somebody for 10 years and then you find out that they didn't do it, a la the um, West Memphis 3, then you can let them out. Believe me, they're going to be happy to be let out. Granted, they're go- you're, you're going to have to pay them some money or whatever for the mistake, but killing them really isn't the answer. Right. Once you put that much power into one, basically, person's hand, we'll, we'll talk about the state as a person because they they often, essentially it is the person yes. when you're talking about the the judge right. presiding over the, the you, you the, put the that sentence. much power over over another person's life into that person's hands and all of a sudden life becomes less valuable when a, when a judge can sign a piece of paper that kills a person that life life itself isn't as valuable as it once was because a piece of paper can eliminate it yep so I, I think that in its base form is is a terrible way to conduct any sort of judicial business. Right. So for me, this is what this issue hinges upon. I probably would have never been converted from this um, the, this position if I didn't find out that there were more than 200 people freed. And I don't mean uh, their sentences reduced or whatever from death row. More than 200 people in the United States um, and you know, more than 150 of them were found completely innocent, exonerated or whatever. And so therefore, that was what let me know that, hey, look, you can't you can't always be right. If you can't always be right, you need to, to you know, you need to not sentence somebody to the ultimate punishment. Well, and also goes goes into the uh, the uh, idea of the state having a monopoly on certain powers and abilities. Now, if the state has a monopoly on murder which is basically what execution is. Killing. Or, or police you they know, do shootings or murder. They do have murder. a monopoly on killing. Yes, they have a monopoly on murder. Well, anytime well, you have a monopoly... Remember, remember the term murder um, is, is their term. That's a, okay. It's a legal term. Okay, they, they have a monopoly on killing. Yep. And, and anytime you have a monopoly, there's going to be abuses of that monopoly. There's going to be issues and problems and drama that arises from a, a monopoly using that a, a power and ability. And those individuals who want to seek the, the seat of, of decision-making yep. within that monopoly... 
are going to be sociopaths to a degree. Well, you've got to consider. You heard the applause for Rick Perry's executions there in that uh, in that building um, during the Republican debate. You heard the applause. That means that what that incentivizes prosecutors and judges to do. Well, if I want to stay here, I've got to get the, you know, the people that support uh, executions on my side. There are a lot more people that will applaud executions than people that will go out and, and do vigils in order to stop them. Yeah. So um, you know, it, it causes them to be uh, you know, the, the, the kind of folks that try to propagate executions, and sometimes they're going to be wrong. So is the death penalty worth saving? Uh, tell me, please explain it to me. I could be convinced. I was convinced at one point. Eight five five four fifty three seven three three. Free Talk Live. You know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know a new currency will take over at some point. Wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor? Bitcoins. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world. Find out more at WeUseCoins.org. Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in a month. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at WeUseCoins.org. That's WeUseCoins.org. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You can uh, check out SACL CAI's banner. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page at freetalklive.com. Principal over there, Jason Osborne. He's awesome. Yep, awesome. I was uh, talking to him today, and he's a big supporter of Liberty. It's his life's work. So if you have a uh, company that needs to try something new in the area of uh, accounts receivable, Sickle CAI is the one to to trust with that. Check it out at freetalklive.com. Top thing, top banner on the right-hand side of the page, Sickle CAI. JJ, yes, the drug sir. war. Yes, uh, we started in the first hour to talk about this drug war. I'm going to recap it a bit. Uh, basically, America's war on drugs is virtually lost on all fronts. There's been three releases this past week of basically the State Department and various uh, other bureaucratic agencies assessing the drug war. So we have a report from the, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, uh, National Survey of Drug Patterns, and a leaked U.S. Customs Memo. So the, the DOJ assessment is perhaps the most striking. It claims that brutally violent Mexican drug cartels have now set up shop in over 1,000 U.S. cities, up from 230 cities mentioned in a, nine, a 2009 DOJ assessment. They've effectively set themselves up as the dominant suppliers of illegal drugs in every major U.S. population center and focus on smuggling through Southern California and South Texas. Now, um, I wonder how they got set up as the uh, the monopoly, essentially, on uh, supplying illegal drugs. You think they used violence? Probably. They probably used a lot of violence, actually. And people would say that this is, you know, drugs and violence just go together. But I don't think they do. No. There are lots of drugs that are taken in this country that don't have violence to go along with them. Those drugs are legal. I mean, you know, nobody's... Uh, well, the violence is, is generally that goes along with those legal drugs is the theft of, of money for Medicaid and Medicare that goes to pay for a good portion of them. Uh, but other than that, you're right. Yeah, but, but you know, but nobody's standing there with a knife, uh, you know, ready to slit your throat. <laughs> no. So... Um, you're right. The, you know, the, the, the really the issue is prohibition. It's not the drugs. It's prohibition. Can people, you know, get all wacky on drugs? You better believe they can get all wacky on drugs. Absolutely. But they can get all wacky on alcohol and 
that's legal. Well, you figure it this way: like the the cops go around the cities and they bust the small time uh, dealers on the corner. You know, the people who grew up there and and basically are trying to make some money for whatever purposes, pay rent, you know, eat food, whatever they're doing. And they're they're arrested. They're basically locked up and and sentenced to you know years in jail for selling a plant. And then you have these drug cartels who are very experienced in the drug war, which is a, a state creation. So they're they they know how to get around things. They know how to hide well. They know how to deal with with uh, snitches, and they know how to deal with uh, finding you know people to sell to and, and keeping it safe for them. So you have these more professional drug establishment uh, cartels that that set up shop in the cities and take up basically jobs that were <laughs> used to be the local person who did it. So you have people locally getting arrested. That that there's a void there. People still want those drugs. They still want that marijuana. Yeah. That's, that's, that's All the arrest in the world doesn't make people not right. want the drugs. So they're going to find someone to buy that marijuana from. Now, if it just happens to be the drug cartel from Mexico, well, hey, as long as the price is right and they uh, conduct business well, they're going to be successful. Yep, they're certainly willing to buy uh, you know cheap plastic goods from China and Walmart. That's you know reason why they wouldn't be willing to buy drugs from uh, Mexico. So the story goes on. Fueling their rise is an increased interest in marijuana and methamphetamine among Americans. According to a survey released Thursday by the Department of Health and Human Services, 8.9% of Americans were users of illegal drugs, up from 8.7% a year earlier and 8% in 2008. So 8.9% of Americans? That's right. Are users of drugs? That's I wonder what they define a user as. I believe they, they, they define that as an illegal drug user, as in someone who uses it at least once... Once a what, right? Is, is really what it. Uh, I don't know. I yeah, mean, you, I mean exactly. You're it's just arbitrary. Up with some arbitrary number, yes. and you know, I don't know. Eight um, percent. I maybe? think that's low. Yeah, I mean, I would. I don't know. I, In fact, I think fifty percent of Americans use drugs. If you count all the people on Valium and all the people on Prozac, mm-hmm. all the people on uh, you know a myriad of painkillers. Um, let's see, heart medication, hypertension, sure. uh, Lipidor, uh, cholesterol. They, I mean, they they're, they're think, drugs. They don't think of uh, of themselves as drug users. But you, you know, go down to the drugstore to get your drugs. They call it a pharmacy nowadays. Well, people people consider it different if you're taking drugs to maintain health versus taking drugs for sort of rec- recreational purposes. And I, you know, I understand that. But I, what I'm trying to come up with in my mind is the number of people that uh, take drugs recreationally. I wouldn't know, but eight um, percent. You know, maybe. The thing is, is that what I think of as, as somebody who's open to the idea of doing drugs is a drug user, too. I don't um, like I know people that, for instance, might do, you know, smoke pot once a year. Once, you know, maybe they go to Porkfest, right. um, the Porcupine Fruit Festival, <laughs> and Porkfest.com. And, you know, that that's their one time a year they smoke pot. To me, that's a drug user because yes. they are willing to do the illegal drug. And not because they go out and find it or whatever, just that they're willing to do it. A lot of people will only smoke pot if it gets passed around to them in some kind of a situation. Oh, yeah, you know, okay. They'll take a little little bump and off they go. Right. Um, which, you know, people suggest that, that folks that smoke marijuana um, will always uh, only smoke till they're really, really stoned. And that's not how it goes. No. I mean, different people uh, consume this in different ways, the same way that different people consume alcohol in different ways. Right. Some people will have one beer at a party, nurse it all night long, and that's their, uh, that's their beer. Some people will take one little uh, half a hit off of a joint, and that's what they're going to do. It gets their head a little buzzy or whatever it is, and, and that's all they do. So there's different people that do different things. Right, and I think that that says a lot. It, it's sort of like the 
demonization of a drug user is this stereotypical uh, strung out junkie who is you know stabbing someone to get his next fix when when in fact most drug users in my um basic anecdotal evidence are are just people who have jobs they are are good members of the community and uh, you know they're they're pretty much upstanding uh, I wouldn't say citizens because I don't like the word citizens but they're upstanding well, the, members what if Ian were here he would say nobody's a citizen yeah that's right and he would point <laughs> out that uh, in you know Black's Law Dictionary and many other um, you know whenever you go look up what a citizen is it'll say that it's a person who owes a uh, a duty of allegiance um, in exchange for a government or whatever the state's um, obligation of protection right and since the Supreme Court has ruled over and over and over again I mean at least a half a dozen times that the government has no obligation to protect you in the same way that if you get your car stolen, they're not writing you a check for your stolen car. Right. They have no obligation to protect you. Then you have no duty of allegiance, which so therefore you are not a citizen because it is a two part situation. You must in order for you to give to give your allegiance, you can give your allegiance. Sure. But if you're not getting a duty of uh, protection in exchange, you're not a citizen. Meaning that nobody's a citizen, so this whole terminology citizen is wrong. In fact, what we are is subjects. Wow. Thank you, Mark. I digress. Go ahead. This story goes on to say, um, marijuana use was up more than any other drug, going from 5.8% of the population regularly using it in 2007 to 6.9% in 2010. Once again, they don't define what regularly using it is. Uh, All told, the DHHS claimed there were 17.4 million current marijuana users in the U.S., according to accounting for 76.8% of the total number of illicit drug users. And I think that number is low. I think there are far more marijuana users than 17% or 17 million. Certainly could be. So, so 17 million, I mean it's I, I don't know what percentage of the population that is, but it doesn't seem like much like 5% or something like that. Yeah, it's it's very small. 855-450 free the drug war? I mean, is the drug worth war? It? I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. That's the SACL toll-free call in line. Here on the live Thursday edition with Ian. I mean, I'm sorry. Why, why did I say Ian? <laughs> Ian's in jail. Free Ian! Mark. And JJ. Ian, we're on day uh, 30 of the Ian Freeman incarceration count-up. I was looking at my little note over here where I keep the, the day. <laughs> um, and I guess I just Do said picture, what I saw. You should have a picture of Ian right next to that note. I Why? Staring back at you. I know what he looks like. Looking disapproving. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, we should get out of jail and get back to work. Are you tired of watching the value of the dollar plummet? Are you tired of banks charging you fees? Do you want to take back control of your own money? Take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized, anonymous internet currency. It's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more about Bitcoins, visit weusecoins.org. Again, it's we use coins. 
org. JJ, we're talking about this article where apparently some government agencies are uh, uh, questioning the drug war. That's right. This story uh, comes from rawstory.com. I'll continue where I left off. All told, DHHS claimed there were 17.4 million current users of marijuana in the U.S., which we had talked about. I personally think that's a very low number. Despite these figures, the number of young people aged 12 to 17 who suffered from a drug addiction or dependency went down from 2002 to 2010, going from 8.9% to 7.3%. Overall, the situation... So young people is going, it's going down? Yes, the, the number of young people who suffer from a drug addiction or dependency. I see. Or at least reported, obviously. This is all stuff that's reported through various agencies being, you know, the medical facilities and, and whatnot. Well, I think that uh, fewer parents are turning their kids over voluntarily to these um, organizations in order to fix them right. than they used to. Right, because they just want to pump different drugs in them. Yeah. Oh, they, they need some Ritalin, which, in fact, if you take Ritalin, it's clinically proven. You take Ritalin, you chop it up, and you snort it, it has the exact same clinical effects as cocaine. Mm, wouldn't Funny. Know. Funny. Overall, the situation only looks to get worse. In a leaked U.S. Customs and Border Protection memo provided to public intelligence, government agents acknowledge a redundancy mechanism employed by cartels that essentially makes arresting key leadership and seizing major shipments pointless. Every time high-ranking cartel members were captured or killed, existing trends in the drug supply and demand were unchanged. <laughs> well, you know, we've been saying this for years on Free Talk Live, and uh, there's an interesting quote from uh, the folks at Leap, at leap.cc, L-E-A-P.cc, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, which is, uh, you know, if you take a... If you take a car burglar off the street, bur- car burglaries go down. If you take a house robber off the street, then house robberies go down. If you take a drug dealer off the street, you've just created a job opportunity for the next guy to come along. <laughs> that's exactly and, right. And that's, you know, it just doesn't, you know, it, the, the, so, I mean, imagine for a second that you've got to know somebody in your life who, uh, you know, has been in like this about drugs, you know, has been really into them and, you know, had, had some problems or whatever. Them, their drug dealer not being there, doesn't stop them from getting drugs. If their drug dealer goes to jail, they're going to find the next guy. As a matter of fact, they've got a couple that they can contact when they need what they when they want what they need. That's right. And, and just imagine if if let's say tomorrow cigarettes were outlawed because cigarettes. Look at how many deaths there are, yeah. and Obamacare doesn't want to pay for you know people with uh, cigarette ailments or, or sort of lung ailments that come from, you know, emphysema, blah, 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 that come from smoking and all these sort of cancer things. So then they outlaw cigarettes. And, and you think that people are going to stop smoking cigarettes? No, no, no. There is going to be a massive underground market for cigarettes and right. and the tobacco dealers, if the very at the very least, you know they're they're going to be grinding this stuff and uh, up and selling it, and it's going to be going across the United States. Yep. I mean, people want this stuff; they're going to get this stuff, and you can make it illegal if you want, but that's not going to stop them. Right. The story goes on to say, the removal of key personnel does not have a discernible impact on drug flows as determined by seizure rates. The memo concludes, drug trade organization. Operations appear to have built-in redundancy and personnel that perform specific duties to limit the damage incurred by the removal of any one person. Sheer volume alone, drug operations by by sheer volume alone, drug operations would require more than one individual to coordinate and control the process. While the continued arrests or deaths of key drug trade organization leadership may have long-term implications as to the control and visibility of a specific drug trade organization. 
there is no indication of it will impact overall drug flows into the United States. Right. So, I mean, you can arrest a guy and it might affect their his particular gang, but it's not going to affect uh, people getting drugs. That's right. There's just nothing they can do. There isn't. Because people want drugs. People want these things. And no matter what the government says or does, they're going to find a way to get them. Yep. It's that Laura easy money. The federal government spent over $15 billion on enforcement measures in 2010, according to the Office of National Drug Control Policy. Some estimates also showed state and local governments kicking in over $25 billion more. Federal Bureau of Investigation figures show that drug arrest is made somewhere in the U.S. about every 19 seconds, Jeez. with the vast majority being for simple possession. And another thing that we, we really haven't approached as far as the drug war goes here, and I think it's extraordinarily important, um, you know, for those that listening a little earlier, I uh, spent eight years of my life, nine years of my life, somewhere eight and a half years of my life in prison. And I can tell you that if you were to legalize drugs, that you would see far fewer people in prison, not just people that are in for, you know, selling drugs, but people that do violent things steal things in order to get drugs because they wouldn't have to anymore the price would go way down way down because you know marijuana is a weed for god's sakes it grows anywhere it's not it's not the cost of production that uh, that makes it expensive it's it's the danger of getting arrested right right it's the risk involved with dealing that product now if you if you legalized not even legalized if you decriminalized these drugs, and you made it so that people could trade them legally without being threatened, you would see businesses arise that would focus on creating the best quality per price product that they could create. Sure. They'd market it just like they market everything else. Some would be better and more expensive. I mean, some you, would be worse and cheaper. You go, to the, you go to the doctor's office and you open up one of these magazines that are sitting next to the tables, and you're going to see about, I don't know, two dozen drug ads during the course of paging through that magazine. Some of them for uh, cholesterol and some of them for arthritis and diabetes and all. You're going to see a marijuana ad in that magazine, too, for the medicinal effects, blah, 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 if it was legalized. Mm -hmm. And and you can be rest assured that the the quality of the product you will receive when you go out into the store and you purchase it is going to be a high-grade quality because that store doesn't want the reputation of selling crap. They don't want that, that, oh, don't go to buy it from there. Their stuff is is terrible. You should go here instead. No, each store is going to be trying and vying to be that one per- place to go to get that, that marijuana. Well, you know, I mean, they'll they'll have lower quality stuff in the same way that you can go to stores and, and buy, um, you know, some lower quality um, tobacco. I mean, I, I, Bugler comes to mind where you have to roll Well, your as own. you said, though, it's a weed. So growing marijuana, if you're going to take right. the time to grow tobacco marijuana. Tobacco is a lot harder to grow than marijuana. Yes, it and, requires a more specific climate. And it's um, you, you don't know what tobacco costs at this point because there's so many taxes on it. Um, and you, yeah, right. You need if a specific you, climate. Well, actually, we so, you, so transportation's a real issue too. You can grow marijuana anywhere. Yes. And so, yeah, I, I mean, basically any state can grow marijuana. They can have their own marijuana crops. You don't have to drive it very far. It's a more localized crop. Um, it's significantly easier to grow. You're you're going to see. If you were to legalize it, it would be extraordinarily cheap. I don't know how to produce the rest of these drugs, uh, you know, poppies for for heroin and uh, coca for cocaine and all these things. But I do know that products that uh, come from, you know, that you're talking about produce, essentially. Yes. That produce is relatively cheap from around the world. Right. And, you know, folks just don't get it when it comes to, I mean, look how many servings come in a bottle of liquor. 
Yeah, I mean, you can you can spend thirty or forty dollars on a big bottle of liquor, but you can get the same size for ten. You can yep. go to a liquor store and get a, a big bottle of vodka for ten bucks if that's what you want to do. How many servings are in there? There's a lot of servings in there. Thirty, about forty, fifty-eight, right? Fifty-eight I, ounces. I have no idea, um, but you know that's a lot of servings. Yes. That means, I mean, even if it was comparable to alcohol. You'd get 58 servings of marijuana out of 10 bucks. That's pretty cheap. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Is there something we're missing on the drug war? Is there some reason that drugs should remain illegal that we haven't figured out? Because it seems like it's just causing pain and heartache for Americans. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Eight fifty five four fifty three. That's the SACL toll free call in line here on Free Talk Live with Mark and JJ. Go check out uh, the website of Free Talk Live. We've got well, we've got a really great website for you. Expansive, large, and among the many features, the is listen.freetalklive.com. It shows you how you can listen to Free Talk Live anytime, anywhere. We try to make it as easy as possible for you. There's live streams, listen lines where you can call in and listen on any telephone, webcam. You can go to cam.freetalklive.com, see us waving at the camera. Uh, satellite options, radio stations, we've got more than 100 of them. It's listen.freetalklive.com. JJ, yes, you know, sir. we rail against the, the TSA on this show, and we, rail we do. It's, it, it's, it, we don't stop. And rightly but so. I've got to say, I'm uh, giving, a little, giving a little applause to Janet Napolitano here at the... TSA, it looks like, according to rawstory.com, Napolitano says that shoes will soon stay on at air, in airport security. You'll have one less inconvenience to deal with at the airport in the future. Homeland Security Secretary Janet Napolitano told Politico that air passengers will eventually not have to take off their shoes anymore while going through security checks. Eventually. I understand, but they're going to have to do that soon. Are they going to give now she's passengers their dignity back, Mark? Well, I don't know that. Uh, huh? I, I think a lot of the passengers, uh, I don't know where they get their dignity from. Probably I didn't have it taken from them. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, I mean, obviously, obviously, there's going to be some kind of security measures. But I think that this taking off your belt, taking off your shoes stuff is just utter nonsense because it really slows down the line. Yeah. Um, well, you know, if if they want people to go through this backscatter machine, then the way to get them to go through it, I mean, you got to figure carrots and sticks here, man. Um, the, the way to get people to go through the backscatter machine right. is to let them keep their shoes and belts on. Because, uh-huh. I mean, think about it for a second. For you, what would you do if you're standing in this line? You've got the fast line going through the backscatter machine. You've got the slow line going through the uh, the the metal detector, taking off your shoes, taking off your belt, doing all that stuff. You've got you've got an option. It seems to me that a lot of people are going to pick that backscatter machine and they're going to head on through it. 
Yeah, well, I wouldn't. I would take the other path, and I would make a big stink about the fact that uh, Fourth Amendment, blah blah blah. You're welcome to do it. I mean, I you know, it's I can... outreach, Mark. That's what it is. It's you know, it's sort of like certain individuals. Okay, like Ian, for example, which I know you don't like me bringing this up, but Ian takes a stand on issues that that are uncomfortable to take a stand on. Mm-hmm, sure. Okay, so he is one of those individuals who is willing to suffer the slings and arrows of taking a stand. Indeed. And we, as as a, basically as a group of people who value liberty, would like that stuff to happen in various hills by various individuals as a means of telling the state, listen, you've gone too far. You, you've overstepped your authority. You've overstepped what, what limited power you've taken from us. I understand where you're coming from, um, but the... You know, the difference here is, is with the backscatter machines, you can see a situation, if people can keep their shoes and belts on, where essentially inconvenience and liberty is increased in a small way. Now, you know, some people will claim well, that the backscatter machines uh, You know what this issues. is? This is the same sort of um, basically uh, incrementalism that they've used to instill socialism in, or fascism, whatever. How is this incrementally different? What, okay, though? here it is. Here it is. We're going to incrementally ease up on you during the TSA encounters. We're still going to touch your junk. We're still no, going to... No, won't touch your junk unless you don't go through the backscatter machine. That's right. But not everybody's going to want to go through the backscatter machine. Indeed. But what I'm saying is, is this is this is the way the TSA should operate. I'm not saying that I, I... I don't think that there should be a government agency with a monopoly on anything. But this is the smart way to do things, is when you take, you give. At the same time, you know, you give and you take. I can't, I can't, I cannot. This essentially shows up as a technological advance and affords more freedom. On principle alone, I will not by any means say anything nice about the TSA. It's fine. I mean, it's okay. I'm only saying, I'm only saying that this is wise. Not that this is a, not that this is um, you know particularly a good thing. So yes, the Germans who uh, who uh, come come into the uh, the showers, old lady. I will help you into the shower. I will provide you a walker I, into the shower, lady. Yeah. I, I don't think that anybody's being killed while going. Uh, no, on but the it's, it's it's the same sort of premise. <laughs> well, I suppose we're going to lead you to your doom, but we're going to help you out. Well. Um, if if government agencies <laughs> focus on offering carrots as well as sticks, and you know, frankly, the the back. You know what machine, carrot I want? My liberty. Yeah, I, when I, they I give me that, you. I'll be a happy man. Well, you know, you can have your liberty by not flying. Essentially, um, I, I mean, don't. S- sadly, the uh, you know the, the airports are just a monopoly when it comes yeah, down to it. Uh, it is. You know that, that that's the way it goes, and people will be able to go um, through. I mean, convenience is what the, is the kind of liberty that most Americans want, and. This apparently will uh, afford it to them. Let me go on a little bit here. Um, Janet Apollo says we're moving towards an intelligence and risk-based approach to how we um, screen, which is, by the way, how we have talked about doing it on Free Talk Live. We've talked about how Israel does it. You know, they, they, they look for people that look like they're terrorists for whatever reason. You look like a terrorist And then they Mark. stop them and talk to them. Is that a constitution in your pocket? You're a terrorist. Indeed, I, 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 I'm with you. I, I don't <laughs> think the government's a good, good folks to be, uh, you know, checking. But when you're talking about a situation where you got everybody lined up in front of these queues and you got all these government bureaucrats to shake them down, none of whom have ever caught any guns, knives, or bombs brought through by any terrorists, because there have never been one, not one instance where a terrorist has been caught by the TSA. Right. 
um, you, you're, you have all this huge expense and and people being waylaid, and there's no point in it. How whatever. many ch- how many children were inappropriately touched by the TSA? Well, no, 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 no. no. Interesting story about a, a guy who apparently was doing doing it in some of his off time too. So if they don't catch terrorists, terrorists, they they do at least train pedophiles and. But they do touch. They wrongly touch children and and everybody basically. Let's not just limit it to children. Let's not be ageist. That they wrongly touch everybody. What good does the TSA provide? I don't think they, mm-hmm. they provide much. No. I don't think they do. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean they're going away because people want some kind of security apparatus for their airlines. And they don't really understand how perhaps airlines could do it better because they think that the government having a monopoly on force has the advantage in that area. And, you know, there, there are advantages to having the monopoly on force, sadly. She said, I think one of the things, this is Janet Napolitano, I think one of the things you will see over time is the ability to keep your shoes on. Napolitano did not detail what new technology would be able to scan shoes, but did indicate that carrying liquids would still be a no-go. One of the last (laughs) things you will see is the reduction of or limitation on liquids, she said. In terms of what we see coming in months and years ahead, it will probably be easier, and it looks like it will be um, to deal with the shoes issue before we can remove the restriction on liquids so it's if they're moving to a more risk-based uh, intelligence-based uh, paradigm how are they you know what i'm thinking that means is they're going to stand around and watch people and the ones that look shifty or whatever those are the ones they're going to go after that's what that means to me that means how are they you know <laughs> how are they going to stop well, people from having liquids well here, here here's here's a point I, i'd like to make you're you're going to the airport and you're about to, you know, go on go on an airplane for the first time or whatever. Maybe you've gone a lot. Maybe you just have a slight fear of flying. You're you're just anxious because maybe you're meeting a, uh, I don't know, a lover across, you know, halfway across the world or whatever. Um, and then you have to go through the security apparatus. And and basically, it's it's like a, a cattle sort of uh, movement process, caging mm-hmm. sort of uh, directory. So so the individual that's facing this. It's going to look kind of shifty just because of their circumstances. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure. It's it's. I think it's that hardened tourist that that uh, knows exactly what they're going to do. They ought to be prepared. They're very much focused because you know they're going to kill themselves or whatever. That that won't look shifty. It's going to be that person that's nervous because they haven't flown or they're not used to the security or the intimidation that comes with whenever you see the teeth of the state. Well, um, one thing you need to understand is that. You know, every country needs to to look at security when it comes to air travel. And one country that's particularly good at looking at security is Israel. Okay. And Israel doesn't do, as I understand it, I mean, I, I have not flown a plane in and out of Israel, but as I understand it, they do far less of the lining people up into corrals like they do here in the United States and far more of the intelligence-based, risk-based approach that um, they're, they're talking about here. And, you know, I don't know what the specifics are. But it, I think it's ludicrous to not let people have frickin' bottles of water. The, the, fact, of, right. the fact of the matter is, is that uh, the, the situations where the people went into the bathrooms and, um, you know, they were, no, actually, they, they picked up some people in London that were talking about doing some bombings. And they talked about uh, apparently, uh, you know, I don't know, some kind of cyanide based uh, poison that would uh, that they'd mix up in, the, in a lab that would take six hours <laughs> um, and that they would, you know, mix up with uh, these different items. You know, passengers have been great 
at catching. You don't think yes. you're going to notice that somebody's been in the bathroom right. on the airplane for six hours? Especially with this fear-mongering going on. The passengers on the planes are the ones that are looking around. They're, They're keeping the track. catching people. They yeah. are catching people. I think I can trust that you can trust the passengers when it comes to yeah. people mixing up you know, poisonous gases um, or something with, uh, with bottle, you know, liquids in water bottles. It's nonsense to me. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live's call-in line. Sponsored by SACL CAI. It's Mark. And JJ. Free Talk! And now it's time for the Living Beyond Your Feelings Radio Minute. With tips and advice on controlling your emotions so they don't control you. Here's New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer. We all have a past, but the good news is we all have a future. Sad to say, many people get stuck in the past. Even worse than that. Sometimes we can get stuck in one moment from our past, a time frame in our life where something happened that hurt us or wounded us or we did something that was wrong, and it's been a long time since it happened, but we're still stuck in that one moment. I want to encourage you today, if you're stuck, to make a decision to get unstuck. You know, God is standing by ready to help you. If you'll take that first step of faith, you'll find Him right there to lead you out of bondage into total, complete freedom. Don't live in the past. For the Living Beyond Your Feelings Radio Minute, I'm Joyce Meyer. For more information to help you control your own emotions so they don't control you, please visit Joyce Meyer. That's M-E-Y-E-R dot org. The average person has 70,000 thoughts every day, and many of those thoughts trigger a corresponding emotion. In Living Beyond Your Feelings, Joyce Meyer examines the gamut of feelings that human beings experience. She discusses the way that the brain processes and stores memories and thoughts. Then, emotion by emotion, she explains how we can manage our reactions to those emotions. Living Beyond Your Feelings, the newest book from New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer, is available wherever books are sold. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, SACL toll-free call-in line. You can uh, check out freetalklive.com. We have ways that you can get interactive with the show there. You can uh, post blog posts or news stories or pictures or whatever. You can link there. People will vote them up, vote them down. It's freetalklive.com. It's a great interactive website made just for you, freetalklive.com. JJ, um, yes, the, the uh, drug war is what we were discussing previously. Are we, are we done with that topic? Yeah, we are. Okay. Because well, I've got an interesting one here uh, that has to do with, um, well, <laughs> the knowing your rights. It's according to the ACLU, and this is about people who have been taking pictures of police officers, and there's been a lot of problems surrounding that. Essentially, cops are... Twisting the laws for their own use. What right. a surprise. They're using the laws that were meant to protect the individual as a means of protecting the state. Yeah. And that is that is blatantly wrong. The suggestion is that um, you know, if you know they're they're using wiretapping laws that were intended that you not record somebody who didn't know that they were being recorded. Whereas um, you know, when somebody's standing there with a camera recording some cops kicking the crap out of somebody, the cops know it, and they're going after them, after that person, because they have done something wrong. Yep. All right. So this is from ACLU.org. Know your rights, photographers. Taking photographs of things are plainly visible from public spaces is a constitutional right. And that includes federal buildings, transportation facilities, 
and police and other government officials carrying out their duties. Unfortunately, there is a widespread continuing pattern of law enforcement officers ordering people to stop taking photographs from public places and harassing, detaining, and arresting those who fail to comply. In some cases, I mean, this doesn't even state it entirely, is they'll just go after people that were doing it. Right. I mean, if you're out taking pictures of trains, lots of guys like trains, um, probably not as many women, uh, you know, but they're into trains. I've seen more than one circumstance where, pe- where cops just came in and, you know, swooped in and detained and arrested and, and made life miserable for somebody taking pictures of trains. Well, it's, it's obvi- obviously one of their authority sort of complexes where I can tell this person what to do. You can't take pictures. Well, why not? Because I say. Well, it's also bad training. Well, I it's mean, not. These cops should know that that's something that they can't Most do. Most officers, and, and we've seen this from our experience here in New Hampshire and dealing with these, the, the court situation and, and watching the cross-examination that, that occurs, that Ian's trial is a good example. When you ask these officers about the Constitution, about the Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. for one, they don't know how to answer the question, and for two, it's, it seems that they don't really care either. <laughs> so as far as uh, training goes... They're trained as far as policy is concerned. They're not trained as, as trained as far as individual rights. Well, I mean, frankly, this is—I mean, I, I don't know what the policy of these people's bosses is, but their policy is against the law. Um, so, you know, and, and this is what's being borne out over and over again. Your tax dollars, you who are listening to me, are being wasted by cops who are detaining and harassing people, and then these people are filing lawsuits because they have been detained and harassed. Rightly, they're getting settlements, and those settlements are your money. Why? Because your servants don't know and don't care what the law is. That's right. They're above the law, Mark. You know that. They're in a, they're in a class system of all their own. Indeed. Your rights as a photographer are as follow. When in public spaces where you are lawfully present, you have the right to photograph anything that's in plain view. That includes pictures of federal buildings, transportation facilities, and police. Such photography photography is a form of public oversight over the government and is an important in a free society. I'd agree. That's true. I'm not... Uh, you know, the ACLU isn't, isn't entirely on my good list because I feel like they tend to be an organization that um, only protects the civil liberties when they agree why they're being protected. Um, the fact is the NHCLU has not been very good at getting involved in civil liberties issues with that, free, that involve free staters. Nope. Because they don't care what happens to free staters. Right. So um, this is it, when, when it protects their political agenda, then they get, tend to get involved. Well, this is, this is my, my shining point I would like to make about filming cops. Exactly that. If, if the police officer was doing something heroic, if he was doing something that was good, tree. if he was doing something that helped someone, I think he'd want that film to be there so he could show his family and friends, hey, look what a great guy I am. He would have no problem with you filming him if he's sitting there rescuing a kitty from the tree or helping pull a child out of a well or something like that. Yeah, definitely get me because I look heroic. I look like I'm doing the right thing. But more often than not, the police are not doing the right thing, and they know it. They know it in their heart, and when that camera's on them, they feel the heat that comes from their conscience. I think it's that, and people tend to be a little bit, um, you know, just kind of camera shy. Some people don't like cameras being focused on them. They didn't get into this line of work to be a person in front of a camera. Well, if you're a person with a badge glinting on your chest and a gun on your hip and all these gadgets and gizmos surrounding your belt, 
you're going to attract a lot of attention. And if you ride around in a car that has flashing lights and sirens, you're going to get a lot of attention. So if you don't like attention, don't become a cop. Well, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that this is part of the job, and it needs to be shown to be part of the job. But um, you know, I think that this is that's part of their motivation. Some of the some people are you know they're just self conscious about whatever it is that's going on. So anyway, to continue. When you're on private property, the property owner may set rules about the taking of photographs. If you disobey the property owner's rules, they can order you off their property and have you arrested for trespassing if you don't comply. Um, you know, so this this to folks that believe in the idea of uh, personal liberty, property rights and that kind of thing. This one's a clear and obvious situation. You're not allowed to go to people's houses and take uh, you know video of them. But. I think that you are allowed to take video of you being kicked off, essentially. <laughs> um, I have seen situations where uh, news organizations will go into businesses and homes and ask for some comment, uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, where the business or, or individual doesn't want to talk to the news. And they'll essentially close the door and say no comment or whatever like that. And those that those people haven't been given permission to film on that property, clearly, but they still air it. Well, like an... Uh Dave Ridley's recent case with the uh, in Nashua, I, I don't know if you you probably heard about that his sure. situation being arrested at the hotel. Yep. And he filmed if you watch the video he filmed himself leaving the hotel and uh, I think he was walking backwards but he was moving towards his car and leaving the property. He filmed all of that and he took it to trial and he was found not guilty of trespassing because as soon as they told him to leave the video clearly shows that he is moving away from the establishment sure. and to wherever his car is parked so i think that's a, that's a good example right there that you can videotape yourself being removed from some property as long as you follow the property owner's wishes to leave i think you're not doing anything wrong so um police officers may not generally confiscate or demand to view your photographs or video without a warrant if you're arrested, the contents of your phone may be scrutinized by the police, although their constitutional power to do so remains unsettled. And in addition, it is possible that the courts may approve the seizure of a camera in some circumstances if police have a reasonable good faith belief that it contains evidence of a crime by someone other than the police themselves. I don't like the idea that the phrase their good faith, because I, I knowing knowing how often the police well, officers lie in order to achieve some sort of testimony on the part of their subject, that, well, that, that good faith, I don't have good faith in police. I don't trust it either, but they do need a warrant is basically what they're saying, that it is, uh, in addition, it's possible that courts may approve the seizure of a camera in some circumstances if police have a reasonable good faith belief that it contains evidence of a crime by someone other than the police themselves and it's unsettled whether they still will need a warrant to view them. And the, uh, you know, what this points out is cops will say, give me that camera. And they'll take the camera and they'll look at the video or they'll delete the video. They'll do they'll confiscate the camera. They'll do whatever they want. And this is illegal activity. They cannot do this. That's right. Get a warrant. You can have this camera officer as soon as you get a warrant. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need people to say. That's what the, the individual needs to stand up and say, no, you can't take my camera. No, I'm not going to give it to you. You go get a warrant. And if they take it out of your hands forcefully, that's probably going to be on video. And you can probably use that 
in some court case if you want to pursue some litigation and counter litigation. This is why um, this is the reason that I got a smartphone was so that I could have the quick video yep. on my smartphone. I think it's very important to be uploading these things to the internet directly. That way, the cops can't. Qik.com. Qik.com. That's exactly right. Um, there's actually other um, other ones out there too, but that's the one I happen to know about. I, I, you know, t- to be able to upload to the internet immediately is yes. extraordinarily valuable. They can't erase your stuff that way. What do you think? Should cops should cops uh, be able to take people's cameras from them? Tell me, please tell me why. Eight five five four five zero free free talk live. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Porcupine Realtor. Do you want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too? Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealtor.com You're listening to Free Talk Live! Oh, goodness. <laughs> 855-450-FREE. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line. Are you getting your medications at a local pharmacy? If you are, you're likely paying more than you have to. There's a better way. Discount Prescription Services will get you your meds at discounts as high as 70% off, and they'll deliver them right to your door. All you have to do is go to meds.freetalklive.com. They have a telephone number there you can call in order to uh, you know, get involved. They have a, uh, you can click become a member on the left-hand side of the page. Either way, you can do it on the web or online. Their customer service is excellent. They'll walk you through every step of the way. You'll, uh, they, they third-party certify all of their drugs in order to uh, make sure that you're not getting any kind of counterfeits, and you'll save big time. It's meds.freetalklive.com, whether it's Zetia, Nexium, Lipitor, Ablify, Boniva, Cialis, or Viagra. It's meds.freetalklive.com. Go check uh, out news.freetalklive.com. You can find out about all the happenings on Free Talk Live by signing up for our email updates, Facebook, Twitter. It's news.freetalklive.com. JJ, let's hit uh, Jay in Indianapolis. Jay? Hey, good morning. Or good, excuse me. Good evening, gentlemen. One of those, yeah. It's morning somewhere. Yeah, somewhere it's morning. Um, you know, in the ever-increasing um, invasion of our privacy and total usurpation of the Fourth Amendment, especially on the federal level, you know, we're constantly told as citizens that, hey, if you're not doing anything wrong or illegal, then you don't have anything to worry about. Well, that same logic needs to be applied uh, forcefully, well, not forcefully, but with vigor to the police. That, yeah. Hey, if you're not doing anything wrong, officer, per the examples that you mentioned before the break, you know, lawfully recording and taking pictures, then what do you have to worry about, officer? Well, you know, I, I think it's funny. Even when cops do get caught doing things on video, oftentimes they're not charged with anything at all. It's very interesting. So, I mean, the frank the frank answer to that question is they have nothing to worry about anyway other than public opinion. Right. Well, and, you make a good point. And, you know, yes, I think we do need to uh, – we need to videotape interactions. The fact is uh, they're videotaping most of their interactions, but they lose the video when it's inconvenient for them. 
Right, right. And the the department is uh, liable essentially for the actions of its officers. So therefore, the the department is incentivized to uh, you know, lie, cheat, and steal in order to protect its liar, cheater, and stealer. Well, if you, we look at what happened with uh, the Greenfield uh, court case between Demo, Pete, and the state, basically, not between Demo and Pete, but the juror that was interviewed after the, the not, not guilty verdict basically said video was the reason they were found not guilty. So it's a testament to recording what happens as a means of prevent, preventing some unjust uh, state aggression. So what do you think, Jay? Yeah, I, it's just it's sad that, you know, we've come to this, you know, that, I mean, technology has its blessings and its curses as well. But, you know, to be fair, you know, I can understand, you know, if a good cop is trying to do his job, I could understand why it might be frustrating if, you know, somebody that he perceives with an agenda is always looking over their shoulder. But then again, it just seems that the case is more often not on the other side that, as you said, that it's, you know, they're getting caught or they, you know, it's just mild oppression. Or You know, I do a lot of on-camera work. I, I do a lot of on-camera work and off-camera work. And um, I act differently when I'm on-camera than when I'm off-camera. Because I know that people are watching. You know, I'm not going to stick my finger in my nose in order to get that snarly that's bothering me, right? I'm going to go and take care of that in a more private place. Whereas, uh, you know, this is – if the cop – if the good cop gets frustrated, and likely he would the first time they dealt with it. Every time I've seen a police officer, the first time they've dealt with uh, cameras, they usually are dealing with them. Like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Um, But turns out you can. And, uh, you know, they just kind of get used to it. And now here in New Hampshire, our cops are just used to it. Yes. Yeah. They, they, I mean, you can videotape them anytime, anywhere. Well, that, that one night they came to serve Ian while he was on the air. Yep. And uh, they were knocking on the window right here at the studio. We had uh, up to three cameras on the porch. And as soon as the, the three cameras were out there, they wanted to uh, have nothing to do with this. They basically dropped the note by the door and said, oh, here comes a dog and pony show. Let's get out of here. And, yep. and they just basically off they buzzed off. Yeah. Yeah, I think it keeps cops accountable. Uh, you know, it, it may be, you know, folks that are trying to do a good job, it may be uncomfortable initially. They'll get used to it. We, as those, as their you know, employers, have the right to keep them on camera, is the best I can tell. Jay? Yeah, I agree. And if, you know, if the government, like I said, tells us that, well, if we have nothing to hide, then we shouldn't mind having our privacy invaded. Well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. That's all I got to say. That darn gander. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Captain Ned in Florida. Captain Ned? Yeah, free and Freeman. It's day <laughs> 30s, caged like a bull elephant. That's right. Well, I don't know that he's caged like a bull elephant. He's caged, well, he's caged gonna, like an ostrich. I'm going to get back to my bull elephant analogy in a minute. Okay. I agree wholeheartedly with uh, you, Mark, and JJ, and Jay from Indy. The uh, Fourth Amendment, people need to know their rights. Now, the Fourth Amendment states the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched, the persons or places, persons or things to be seized. Now, probable cause are the facts or circumstances that would lead a reasonable and cautious person to believe that a crime has been or is about to be committed. Now, when that officer pulls you over, and we all watch cops, and he says, hey, for your safety and mine, can I look in your car? You tell an officer, for your safety and mine, you need to absolutely not without a warrant, and you need, you need to call a command officer 
because I'm invoking my Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendment guarantees. That stops his whole process. Well, it, in, theoretically. Yeah, uh, you know, it depends well, on how it, young you are, too. <laughs> that, that may be. But let me get back to this bull elephant thing. When a bull elephant is caged, he's got two choices. He can slam those bars, rattle the whole concrete of the elephant house, and give a heart attack to everybody on the other side of the bars, or he can rub up against the bars once in a while, stick his tusks through there, move things around, and just stare at you. Now, I believe that Ian is going to become a much different bull elephant when he comes out. I think, he's, I think he really is going to be the type that's just going to look at you, and I guarantee his treatment inside there, they're treating him just like that. Like what? They're giving him the respect that he deserves because he knows his rights. Yeah, I you know you know if you know your rights, you assert your rights. You're going to get a different sort of uh, treatment than than folks that don't. Uh, that much I'm you know I mean that much is is clear and obvious. You know you were talking about the Fourth Amendment, Captain Ned, and when you we talk about that, it it kind of makes me wonder. You read it off that you that you're um, you know sh- should be free of unreasonable searches and seizures and things like that. The United States government claims um, you know different areas of of, uh, of the water outside of it as, as its own country. I think uh, it pretty much claims everything up to three miles out. How come you don't have any constitutional rights on the water? How come the uh, Coast Guard can just come on your boat? They don't have to have a warrant. They can just uh, go through your person's papers, effects, or whatever it is, and uh, just shake you down without any kind of... Uh, well, again, their, their favorite thing is what's called a safety check. They come on board, look at your fire extinguisher, look at your uh, shotguns and your flare kit, shotgun uh, shells to see your flare shells to see if they're dated correctly. Now, like I said, if you have a documented vessel... You get around all that. But that gets back to it. I'd really like to see the guy who called the other day about the uh, freedom to travel. I'd really love to see one of those guys on for about a half hour and, and run through that. Because I guarantee you, there's much to that as there is to refusal to cross the rail. Free Talk Live. Thanks, Captain. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game. It's all in your browser. There's nothing to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources in a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com, use coupon code FTL, and double your mining speed. It's free. MineThings.com. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, SACL toll-free call-in line. It's Mark with you. And JJ. Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, barter currency. I just bought some precious metals uh, here recently. Uh, I guess I paid for them today. <laughs> so I did it through gold.freetalklive.com. That's because I believe that 
we have some of the best rates on the internet. I've checked around. What I can find, that's uh, that much is true. If you find something that's better for you, yeah, by all means, take it. But remember, buying through gold.freetalklive.com, not only do you get at great rates the precious metals that you're looking for, but... You can also, and by the way, they not just the ones on the website. You can call the uh, there's a telephone number there um, on the uh, web page where you can call in and find out other things that they have. But uh, I've just picked out some hand picked pieces at uh, gold.freetalklive.com, and you can support Free Talk Live in the process. It's gold.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Ed in Tennessee. Ed, how you gentlemen doing? All well? right. Hey, uh, I don't. I want to make a comment on the tobacco marijuana deal. Uh, tobacco, as you know, uh, as y'all know, uh, kills twelve hundred people a day in just in the United States. Twelve hundred. You know, run the numbers on it. Wow. You know, yeah, four hundred forty thousand a year. Marijuana zero. That's Why right. Why isn't that talked about? The the people, the marijuana legalization people. You know, I I'm for all drugs being legal. That's all they ought to say when any subject comes up. Say how many deaths. Or attributed to marijuana, but now you're going to hear this ignorant statement. Oh, you can't tell me that uh, somebody ain't gone out and smoked marijuana and died in a car wreck or had a car wreck. Okay, you know what I say to that? Okay, how many do you want? 10,000 a year? There's only 30,000 traffic deaths. How many do you want? Yeah. 50,000 for the last 5,000 years? Tobacco. <laughs> 1,200 yeah. per day just in the United States. Look, 5.5 million people Around the globe. All right, just think about that. Also, I want to inform you there's two, there's two type laws. First, just and unjust, but a, a better <laughs> way of putting it is malum inci and malum prohibitum. Right. Malum inci is wrong, you know, in themselves. Like, who would be on here wanting to say murder should be legal? Not many Rape people. should be legal. Not, nobody that works Robbery for the government. Nobody that doesn't legal. work for the government. Right. <laughs> okay, but see what I'm saying? In Malum prohibitum. Why is it prohibitum, as they said in, in 1200? Why is that the law? Because the king said so. Yeah. <laughs> There's the difference in, in the laws. And, you know, the king actually had to set up his own courts in order to get around the uh, common law courts. They were, they were sort of autonomous from the king, and um, often, you know, he wasn't able to control them. So he set up these things called these, uh, these star chambers, and, uh, you know, they would, he would try people in those. Yeah, that's that's right. But so, you know, that's why it's called the Glorious Revolution of 1688. You know, that's when the king said, I will be held accountable to the law. That's what really changed everything. But now, as they say, it's going, as y'all know, it's going to hell in the handbasket. Yeah. Who, who cares? Who, well, who even said, when you mentioned the Constitution, oh, so what? That thing's no good. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and the ACLU, I had to defend them too, Mark. But go ahead, go ahead. Sir. Well, I was just going to say uh, that they basically they uh, you know things have changed since we started doing Free Talk Live. We used to come on the air, and there was no hope for any kind of change as far as uh, civil liberties and um, you know economic liberties go. But I think that Americans are waking up. They they aren't entirely yeah. clear on what freedom is, but they're waking up to the uh, the the depredations. Right, of the state. they can definitely recognize what's going wrong. They just might not it. have some direction as to what to do. So go ahead, yeah, defend yeah, the ACLU. I think y'all are right. People are getting more informed about stuff. But, you know, like freedom, you know, as, as ACLU says, freedom can't defend itself. Nope, sure can't. But, uh, the, hey, the ACLU, they take up for everyone's rights. They I don't remember they even took up for Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Good Everybody for them. Everybody was saying this about Rush. 
Hey, they they defend your right. Uh, well, they defend some of them, um, I, but you know when it comes down to it, the the uh, the dancing in the Jefferson Memorial, the ACLU turned down that case, and what they said as the people were leaving the offices, well, we don't dis- defend slave owners. Um, so well, we don't support slave owners. And basically the idea was that because somebody was dancing at the Jefferson Memorial, if they would have been dancing at the Lincoln Memorial, that would have been OK. Uh, I mean, you know, this was the little snide comment that they made on the way out. And I I I've, I've got some anecdotal um, empirical situations where the ACLU and different uh, state ACLU organizations have uh, chosen not to defend people who have uh, participated in civil disobedience because they were sort of liberty types, and they didn't have the right I'll, politics. I'll check into that. but And also, and I, I want to end on this with y'all. You know, on the commercial or whatever, on the, the analogy of the sagging pants and secondhand smoke, to me, that that's a false analogy. Because which, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Ed. The, it's some kind of com- – I heard on one of your commercials just oh. a little while ago about uh, – Well, different people hear different – Sagging different pants ants. and secondhand smoke. So, the secondhand smoke that offends someone physically. It'd be like me taking a bite of a hamburger, taking the breadcrumbs, hitting, throwing you, hitting you in the head with it. <laughs> uh, if you got sagging pants, that's just like you know the hippie generation, which I was in. You know, long hair, bell bottom. People hate it, but that's just because it it affected their mindset. You see what I'm saying? There's a yep. big difference between secondhand smoke going up my nose, which I can't stand, and a guy over here wearing saggy pants. I don't have to look, but I do have to breathe. Yep. And I'll end it on that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much, Ed. You know, when it comes to secondhand smoke, is an interesting issue because the government has lied about some of its uh, data as far as um, you know, the, the, the original study on secondhand smoke and, and you know it killing people and you know just the numbers were r- ridiculous. But what's clear is that some people are more susceptible to lung cancer than others and other irritants, um, and you know that tobacco is certainly an irritant. Um, I think that it's an incumbent upon the smoker to attempt to do something to protect people, you know, move away or, you know, swish it out of the way or whatever. When you're talking about being on public property, though, that smoker has to pay for that public property, just like, you know, you and everybody else does. So I don't think I think that they have as much right to smoke on that public property as anybody. Yeah, certainly, especially if it's an outdoors thing. I think it's uh, most public property that's indoors right now is has a smoking ban of some sort in place. Yeah. So what we're talking about basically is public property that's outdoors and I think there there really can't be much said for an anti-smoker thing. I mean, you're outside and this this smoke is obviously going to go up without some something to capture it or direct it into your way, sure. your nostrils. It's not not going to do a whole lot. I've seen a lot of people be really really um picky about this kind of thing. And I you know, I get it. I don't particularly like uh you know, smoke well, myself I, either. I, yeah, I mean as a smoker, I, I can definitely relate to but I I'm, I'm more conscious myself of the the other people around me and how I hold the cigarette where I blow the smoke. So things have changed in the last few decades regarding smoke. I that's this is one of the reasons that I really dig the e-cigarette um from papersmiths.com is because well, you know, nobody can complain about that. It doesn't even smell like anything. It doesn't affect them. And, you know, it's it's not smoke. It's just a delivery system for nicotine. Um, so, you know, as the case may be. Let me go on here with the article from the ACLU. Uh, Police may not delete your photographs or video under any circumstances. 
There is no circumstance where a police officer can confiscate your camera, delete your video, and then give the camera back. That's against the law. It's lawsuit time. I mean, you get put it on them if they do that uh, that sort of thing. Also, don't record to the disc. Don't record anything on your phone after that because there are ways to get that data. Yep. If you've got good stuff on your phone, for God's sake, send me an email. I'll figure out how you know how you can do it. Uh, you know, if, if it's good stuff, don't record. Just set, set the the card aside. Whatever you've got to do because it is retrievable. Right. Normally, when you delete something in the function of the camera, you're just basically telling the the page or the the file table yeah. that this area is free. Yeah, That's essentially it. you're tearing the tab off of the uh, of the page, and and then it can print right over it again. Yep. So police officers may legitimately order citizens to cease activities that are truly interfering with legitimate law enforcement operations. Professional officers, however, realize that such operations are subject to public scrutiny, including by citizens photographing them. So they can't really stop you from photographing. Free Talk Live, eight fifty five, four fifty free. Have you had an instance where a police officer has uh, harassed you about uh, filming them? Give us a call, 855-450-3733. Bitcoins. You can buy them and you can sell them. They're a great little commodity. You can accept them for your own products and services. But what do you do once you have them? Why you spend them, of course. Spendbitcoins.com allows you to spend them all in one place. From spendbitcoins.com, you can spend your bitcoins at major online retailers such as Amazon, Fishpond, Barnes & Noble, memory dealers, and more. When you want to spend bitcoins, go to spendbitcoins.com. My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. Write us at FFF at FFF.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's FFF at FFF.org. Talk Live, 855-450 free. Might be able to sneak your phone call in here if you make it real quick. 855-450-3733. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create your create your will or living trust, even register a trademark. They're empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. LegalZoom.com. Use coupon code FTL. Save $10 at LegalZoom.com on common legal documents. They are not lawyers, but they have had lawyers write these things up, and they're accepted in in all 50 states. Back to the ACLU.org's article on Know Your Rights regarding taking photographs. Note that uh, the right to photograph does not give you the right to break any other laws. For example, if you're trespassing to take photographs, you can still be charged with trespassing. If you're stopped or detained for taking photographs, always remain polite and never physically resist a police officer. If stopped for photography, the right to um, the right question to ask is, "Am I free to go?" That's right. If the officer says no, then you're being detained. 
some, something that under the law an officer cannot do without reasonable suspicion that you have or are about to commit a crime or that you possess, um, are in the process of doing so. Until you ask to leave, you're being stopped as a, considered a voluntary uh, act under the law, and it's legal. So when you ask, am I free to go, that's when you kick in this whole detention thing. They've got to, they have to come up with, a, with a, uh, a statement, and sadly, many of them don't even know this. Well, and then you ask, am I being detained? That's the second half of the statement. So it's, it's am I free to go? If he says yes, then am I being well, – or if he says no, then you ask, am I being detained? That's, the, that's really what you – you need to ask them that simply to let them know that that's what they're doing. Right. The first part of the statement actually is what the law um, requires. The, the second part is to let them know, hey – just so you know, you're detaining me, and you need to have some kind of reasonable suspicion. And I think it has to be articulable is a, another term that they, they use yep. regarding this. So, yep. If you're detained, politely ask what crime you're suspected of committing. And remind the officer that taking photographs is your right under the First Amendment and does not constitute reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. What I like is uh, Ridley, he uses the phrase, and whenever he's asked to turn off the camera, he says, I respectfully decline. Yes. And, and whenever he does something against their wishes, he always says something to the effect of respect. He says, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I refuse to, uh, I respectfully decline from doing that, or I uh, uh, respectfully disagree. Yep. I will not answer that. Uh, you right. Know, blah, and, blah, blah. You know, therefore, when it's on the video and they say, you know, whatever, the uh, the, the suspect was being, uh, you know, disagreeable or whatever, you can say, look, it's right here. I said I respectfully decline. Right. Whatever. So uh, this is special considerations when videotaping. With regards to videotaping, there's an important legal distinction between using photographic record, which is fully protected, and audio portion of a videotape, uh, which some states have tried to regulate under state wiretapping laws. Such laws are generally intended to accomplish the important privacy-protecting goal of prohibiting audio bugging of private conversations. However, in nearly all cases, audio recording the police is legal. In states that allow recording with the consent of just one party to the conversation, you can tape your own interactions with officers without violating wiretap statutes, since you are one of the parties. In situations where you are an observer but not part of the conversation, or in states where all parties in a conversation must content consent, excuse me, and be content, I suppose, uh, to taping. The legality of taping will depend on whether the state's prohibition on taping applies only when there is a reasonable expectation of privacy. But that is the case in nearly all states, and no state court has held that police officers performing their job in public have a reasonable expectation. The state of Illinois makes the recording illegal regardless of whether there's an expectation of privacy, but the ACLU of Illinois is challenging that <clears throat> statute in court and as a violation of the First Amendment. I suspect they'll win. ACLU has deep pockets. When they turn their eagle eye on something, they generally win. And, you know, in a lot of cases, the, what the ACLU does, what they do, I tend to like. It's what they don't do that bothers right. me. They're very selective. Yeah, they, they're a little too selective, in my opinion. The ACLU believes that laws that ban the taping of uh, public officials' public statements without their consents violates the First Amendment. A summary of uh, statewide taping laws can be found there. Photogra phot photography in the airport is uh, phot photography has also served as an important check on governmental power in the airline security context. TSA acknowledges that photography is permitted in and around airline security checkpoints as long as you're not interfering with the screening process. The agency does ask 
that its security monitors not be photographed, though it is not clear whether they have any legal basis for such restrictions when monitors are plainly viewable by all traveling public. The TSA warns that local or airport regulations may impose restrictions that TSA does not. It is difficult to determine if any localities or airport authorities actually have such rules. If you're told you cannot take photographs in an airport, you should ask that the legal authority for this what the legal authority for this rule is. The ACLU does not believe that restrictions on photography in the public areas of publicly operated air, airports are constitutional. If you want to f- see this article at aclu.org. Um, they'll it's know your rights about know your rights photographers is uh, what it is. There's a, there's a colon in there, right? And it's it's a great thing. You people need to know this, and people need to be vigilant in recording the police when they have uh, when they're doing stuff. Uh, you know, it's it it just should be done. The chances are very very good that these officers are going to conduct themselves fine and everything's going to be honky dory. But if something goes bad. Well, you need to, you need to have that stuff to protect yourself. I've got a video camera running at all times in my car. So if I have an interaction with a police officer and somehow we remember what happened differently, right? I'm going to have an audio and video record of everything that's happened. The first thing that I'm going to say to an officer when they come to my car is you're being <clears throat> you're being recorded and streamed live to the internet. And if they don't like that, they have the option of going back to their car, but they can't say at this point that they didn't know or that I'm not allowed to do it because they don't want me to. They can't say those things. And to me, that's extraordinarily important. Um, I've got mine from uh, freedomcam.net. You can get one there, too. It's called the uh, 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 GPS black box dash cam, and it has uh, all kinds of information about how fast the car was going at certain times and things like that. Right. So if for whatever reason they're going after you for a speeding ticket, you can say, Look, here's the video. It didn't happen. Right. All I you say, have to do is pull out the SD card, and you've got the last eight hours of video right there. Yeah, I think the the, all, the whole right to record uh, bureaucrats, it's, I don't think it just pertains to police, because if you go into the tax office to pay your tic, uh, your uh, your tax or, or your registration and whatnot, and you want to get that on your records... Or if you go into the the clerk of courts and you want to get some um, you know get some video or photos of various documents and whatnot, uh, if you're in a trial, you would we you definitely want to. Um, What's wrong, JJ? Yeah, I'm losing my headphones here. Okay, you definitely want to record anything that happens with the trial because there are, there are a lot of things that happen in a court situation with some of these judges we found here in the free state that are extremely questionable. And while you may not be able to discern whether he broke some law or some judge's um, you know, rule, or whatever rule or procedure, someone else can probably do that if they have the video to go off of. Right. And apparently in the EU, anybody can record and photograph inside of a, um, any courtroom. This is just what I've read. I don't know. It's not like I've spent a lot of time in courtrooms in, in the European Union. But this is something that, that – you know, this, is, this is a freedom that needs to come to the United States and to Great Britain. That it's ridiculous. The judges say, "Well, oh, you can't, but you can't. No, 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 uh, court, no reporters in here." That's ludicrous. Right. It's it's a public place. It's a public trial. In fact, all the things that happen in a courtroom, for the most part, with the exception of a couple, you know, case by case basis, are are part of the public record. So you know, anyone can but go. They know that the public doesn't actually come into these things, and they want the public eye turned away. That's right. They don't want people to easily be able to see. As far as I'm concerned, there ought to be uh, you know cameras in every courtroom, and people should be able to observe on their television sets every court case that uh, goes on in their town. Granted, you're going to have to <laughs> you have to figure out some way to fund that, and 
I think that's a good thing. But you know, they they're, they're so weird about cameras. They're just so weird about cameras. Right. I don't think somebody should have to go stand in a courtroom and uh, uh, you know operate a camera. There ought to be cameras in every courtroom, audio in every courtroom, and they, you know, they should be running it that way at all times. That way people can sit at their homes and watch. That way they don't know who's keeping an eye on them because this is what it they operate under the cover of darkness. Cockroaches yes. hate the light. That's right. So when you show when you shine the light on them, then they you know, they, they scurry around, they're going to get all upset. So they're, you know, they're, they're just upset that people can now, the technology has moved to the point that people can now keep an eye on them, keep right. them accountable. And that, that's what upsets them is yes, that accountability. That, that, that you seeking accountability, you standing up for yourself, you denying them their sort of moment of authority. That's where they really get upset. And that's where, you know, they, they start to, to clamp down. They've got plenty of authority. It's that it's this overreaching authority yes. that they've taken up to this point. They've got plenty of authority, and the only authority they're supposed to have is the authority to crack down on lawbreakers and people with cameras. Not it's not that's not a crime. Those are not lawbreakers, and the the fact that these officials act like it is, it just goes to show how they've been operating in the fat past. It's been Mark with you and JJ.